Last week we um, concluded or focused on the, the idea of the prodigal son and the uh, elder brother. And the part, the part that, uh, in, in, again, the things that uh, build upon each sermon and try to uh, continue it to, in, in some way, is that all that is mine is yours. And that's in Luke chapter 15, verse 31. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now, the, the emphasis can be on a couple of different points there. One is, you are always with me. Okay? And in a divine provision, you are always with me. So, um, Cliff, you mentioned something in Sunday school that um, worry, what was it? Worry. Uh, is it in the book there? No, oh, it's on Brad's, oh, it's on Brad's uh, sign coming up. Worry is uh, something of uh, not letting God. I had it there. Oh, yeah, worry is wondering if God will get it right. Okay, so worry is, will God get this right? All right, <clears throat> so in our relationship, that son, you are, you are always with me. So this is uh, when the, and, and what makes this story uh, of the prodigal son so important is it's Jesus telling us what, what the father is like, okay? What is God like? What is God, what is his character like? So what would it be if God were here and talking with you? What would it be like for him to speak with you about your life? And how would he address you? And how would, uh, you know, how would we be feeling about our life? God, I've been here all, you know, the, 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 the elder brother is, I've been with you all the time. I've been serving you and I've been doing faithfully. And, you know, you bless your, you know, the, the son who is wayward and runs off and does all the wrong things. You welcome him home. <laughs> and yet I feel, the older brother feels, well, I, I get nothing out of this. I've been faithful. You know, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and the father says to him, you're always with me, okay? You're always with me. God is always with us, and all that is mine is yours. So the prodigal, looking at the two boys, the prodigal son wanted his share of his inheritance. So he wanted everything that was his, everything that belonged to him, and even out of sequence, because he wasn't supposed to get it, he was supposed, you know, he had to wait until his father died, and he wasn't going to wait until his father died. He wanted what he wanted, what he wanted, and he wanted it now. Okay, the elder brother, he stayed at home and all was, <laughs> and felt like he was unappreciated, and that, you know, it didn't amount to much. But the word "all" that is mine is yours, and son, you are always with me. Always and all. Okay. Always. Okay, everybody say the word always. Always. And the word all. All. Okay. Put those two words, frame those two words, put them on your refrigerator. <laughs> always and all. Always and all. Everything that, you know, any question that we have, any doubt that we have, any inappropriate 
feelings of not worth, you know, being second class, being something other than what we are, remember God is always with thee and all that is mine is yours. So it's a very challenging statement, isn't it? Always and all, aren't the, the two very challenging? They were challenging to me. Um, what, does, what do these things include? All and always. I mean, what do they include? They include everything. <laughs> always and all. So whenever we're dealing with um, our relationship with God and we're dealing with life and we have difficulties... We feel like we're alone. We feel like it's never going to work out. We feel like we're unappreciated. unappreciated. <laughs> People don't really value. God tells us, always and all. <laughs> always with you and all that is mine is yours. Now, this all things, you know, all, it also includes heaven and earth. You see, it's not only, you know, it's not only earthly things that the father has that he's going to give to his children. You know, the father in this story with the prodigal son. But when Jesus is telling this and giving us the characteristic of his, of his heavenly father, all that is mine is yours. So we have the creator of the universe telling us that everything that you desire, that God will grant us the desires of our heart. Oh. So... Whenever we're asking in prayer, we need to be praying not only for physical things, but spiritual things. Like, you know, people who are ill. All the spiritual, the, in him, in Christ, is life. In Christ is, the, you know, by his stripes we are healed. By the, the, the hand of God, we are protected. That the sword of the, the spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of, of truth, and the, 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 the shoes of peace. We have, you know, the spiritual realm. All these things are given to us. So whenever we're thinking of the all and always, we're, uh, we're, we can see that God is a spiritual and a physical. He spoke and the worlds were created. He spoke things into existence. While you were yet in your mother's womb, he, he formed you. So we, we're trying to <laughs> grasp all of these things. <laughs> so Jesus is telling this story to illustrate to us the character of the father. Then the father is seen running to the lost son. And the father is seen as explaining to the eldest brother what they needed God was there to provide. The son who ran off and spent everything, got, you know, the, the prodigal son who, you know, was wasted his life, God is seen running to him, and the older brother who feels like he's unappreciated, the father is coming to him and explaining. <laughs> so, no matter where we are at in this whole situation, and no matter who we are or where we are or uh, where we think we are, God is there. God is there. God is there with you know, Bob in, in critical care. God is there. God is here with you. God is there with Wanda. God is there with the, our loved ones and our, our families. God is there. And he is there for always and all. 
Nothing is impossible with God. So when we are coming, we come to God knowing that he knows our need and the unmerited favor of God, that it is, it is his blessing that is upon us, his grace is sufficient for us. You know, Paul says that, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. So the unmerited, the sufficiency of grace, you know, we talked about that for a number of weeks. And, and, and what we're, I guess, trying to get across in our spirit is that there is a divine provision for everything in our, in our life. And we have tests and trials, which is in our Sunday school lesson, you know. We have these tests not to prove to God, but for us to be aware of how great God's blessing is in our life. You know, <laughs> so the question is, how does this statement become our, you know, the question, the, the, the statement that all that is mine is yours and um, the other statement that says, um, he, God is always with me. How do these things become our spiritual compass? Okay? Generally, I, you know, I'm not much of a, a compass, you know, never could figure out a compass. It just points north, you know. So it points north. Okay, that way's north. How do I find my way home? Well, that's north. I need to go this way. But where is it? You know, some people can use a compass, and they can come out at the exact spot you know, they go 50 miles and go, come, come back to the exact spot using a compass. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> Anybody know? I don't know how they work. But I know that ships at sea, they use the stars. And they use, what's that instrument they use? Gyroscope. And, they all, you know, and they, you can look at the stars and line things up. You know, we use GPS systems now. You push a button and they can give you altitude, latitude, position, and point a button, you know. Some cars, if you have a, an accident, you know, the airbag goes off and it sends out a signal that they know exactly where you're at. They can come and find you, even if you're down over a cliff somewhere. But um, so they use the stars. You know, ancient ships used the ancient ships. Yeah, the, they used stars as a guiding point. And people crossing the desert used the, the stars, the North Star, and all those things as, as a compass. Well, we use Christ as our North Star. <laughs> and we use his word to be our, whatever that instrument is, <laughs> Um, in, in, in finding our direction. Sometimes I think we, we, we're, we're used to going east and west, you know. We never get any closer, but we're going, we're going lateral instead of vertical, as it were, to, to latitude and longitude. Latitude. Longitude. <laughs> so we always end up going west, east to west. Well, so we want to be going in the right direction, and Jesus is our north star. Jesus is the, 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 um, the one who is there to help us navigate our life. So when we see Jesus, he is our, he is our fixed location. You know, he is our fixed location. Heaven is my goal. Heaven is the place that we're going, and that on this way to heaven, we are experiencing many different things. So... Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
So we look at this and he is able to do far more abundantly above and beyond. Far more abundantly. So in our Sunday school lesson we have where Abraham um, brings Isaac to offer him as a sacrifice. We have where Abraham is following the command of God to bring Isaac to this place where he's going to offer him uh, up to God as a sacrifice. Well, along the way, or whenever, this, whenever Isaac asks Abraham, what are we doing? What's, I see I have the, we have the wood and we have the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide. Hmm. So here we are. He will, God will do exceedingly abundantly, abundantly more, uh, abundantly beyond, <laughs> abundantly beyond what we ask or think. You know, um, I, go, I, I think of a couple of different things. Um, we had, I, I know I've mentioned them before, my, my mom uh, was friends with, uh, his name was Gardner, and he was a missionary in the Congo. And he was a medical missionary. And he stayed there. Uh, his wife, I don't think, ever came back to the United States. And he, came, you know, they went over when they were 20 uh, as missionaries. And this was my mom's friends. And he, would go, he went to um, Europe to school, back to school, became a doctor, went to the Congo. And, 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 and he, he ministered there. And then I heard this story about this uh, young man who was in the Congo and, and that he felt the need for his village and the community because people were dying. He, he felt and he prayed a bold prayer <laughs> that God would, you know, send doctors and hospitals to their region. Well, this, and he, he, he prayed and he believed that God would do this. Well, this young man began to grow, <laughs> And grow, and he became what six foot, six foot six, you know, seven foot, seven foot two, <laughs> and he got a scholarship to um, Georgetown University academics. <laughs> he was an academic scholar, and so he went to Georgetown to become a doctor. But while he was at Georgetown, the basketball coach noticed him. Imagine that. <laughs> and wanted him to go out for the basketball team. And so he went out for the basketball team, and he became, you know, <laughs> um, a great basketball player. He went on to play in the NBA. And it wasn't too long after that that he gave $14 million <laughs> to start a hospital in his hometown. And it was sometime after that that the, he went over and opened a $29 million hospital in the community that he was in. <laughs> so as a child, he, ha he saw a, a need, and his name was uh, Mote Mobumbo. I'm sorry to those who would know him. Uh, but anyhow, he was, he was a player for the, in, in Texas. So. But anyhow, we see that how that God was able to answer his prayer through him and how that God was, would bless him to move on in his life and that he ended up, he, wanted, he came to the U.S. to become a doctor to go back to his hometown, but he ended up being a basketball player that he was able to 
send many doctors and provide a hospital for his hometown. So when we think of how that God is able to to look at, you know, he is our north star. He is our, our fixed point. Christ is our redeemer. He is our savior. He is our provider. He is the one that we seek to, seek after. He is the one that we desire to have in our hearts and in our lives. And his word becomes the guide, the compass for our lives. And, and as we allow the word to become who part of us, we, we want to think of it in, in, a, in an exceedingly abundantly and exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And it becomes an, uh, um, a way in which God is telling us, don't, be, don't limit me with your thoughts. Don't limit me with how big and how great things can be in your own life. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, Ephesians 3.20, it's the same verse, but in a different translation. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, you know, exceedingly abundantly, to God who is able to carry out his purpose. You know, the, the young man prayed for health and well-being for his community. And he went to become a doctor to help out his community. But God was able to do an exceedingly abundantly beyond to help God carry out his purpose. And... God says, your thoughts and my thoughts, they're different. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My thoughts are far exceeding. So, you know, I've never heard, well, I don't know if I've never heard, but we seldom hear of um, you ask for things too small. <laughs> you didn't ask for enough. You don't ask big enough. Your prayers are not big enough. Do you think, of, you ever think of that? <laughs> you know, it's like going to the bank and asking for a loan. And the banker says, you're not asking for enough money. You need more money. <laughs> you know, or you don't want a loan. We want to, you know, we, we, I, I'd like, you know, the billionaire comes up and says, how much money do you want? Oh, well, maybe 10 cents. <laughs> Do we ask big enough? You see, God is saying, all that is mine is yours. Okay? I am always with you. Always in all. That our, our prayers sometimes aren't big enough. Our, our, our prayers aren't... <sighs> Do we understand this? <laughs> Can God do the impossible? Can God help us to become more than what we are? You know, can God, can God fill our church? <laughs> you know, can God fill your life? Can God, you know, meet the needs of your family? Can God touch your life above and beyond what you're thinking? Can his provisions be greater than we ever imagined? Can, can his supply be greater than our ability to work? And what we can pray, and what we can uh, earn in our exchanging wages for money, hours for money, can can God do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? And can God, you know, can God touch Bob in in the in critical care? Can God touch your loved one who is who is lost and away from God? Can 
Can God stir our hearts to pray more than we do? Can God, you know, call us to, to go where God wants us to go? And going to where he wants us to go doesn't mean we have to leave. It means that we need to step out in faith. We need to allow the, the word of God is working in us. But when, you know, and, and the story I think of in the, in the, um, in the New Testament is in Luke chapter 8. And... Um, this is where the, the guy comes to, to Jesus and uh, his little girl is sick. And, he, you know, he's from the synagogue and Jairus, I call him Jairus, but I, I know that there's a, Jairus is a, another variation of, I think it's Jairus. And he comes and, and he says to, he's begging Jesus that my daughter is sick. My only daughter is sick. But as, as he went, the people were crowding against him almost crushing him. So they were, they were, Jesus wasn't able to even get through the crowd. And this is where the woman with the bleeding disorder comes, and she pushes through all this crowd of people and touches the, the hem of his garment, and she is healed. And Jesus stops, and he says, Someone has touched me. Someone has touched me. Now, In all the negativity of our society, okay, in all the negativity sometimes of people who are against God, against what is right, against doing the right thing, those are, it's, it's seemingly like there's this crowd of unbelief <laughs> that are is crushing around us or crushing around our faith. And we're not able to get to that point of really believing, of really touching, of of. of reaching out in faith and, and believing that God is capable and w will do exactly what his word says. And so we are like the woman who has tried many things and we've had faith for many years and we've believed God many times and nothing has worked the way that we thought it should. And that's kind of how this woman is with the issue of blood. But here's the man, his daughter's dying. Okay? And here's another need coming up to Jesus. And Jesus stops. And the man wants Jesus to come. And here, we, and I, I think of it in our lives that we want Jesus to do something. We want God to answer a prayer. But it seems like he's interrupted and this other person, God is blessing somebody else and God is blessing some other ministry. God is blessing other people. And we're over here, my daughter's dying, Jesus, you know, do you want to come? My daughter's dying. It's more important than that person there. She, she hasn't died in all these years. And she's had this bleeding issue. And, and you're stopping to talk to her. My daughter is dying. <laughs> so Jesus is doing good things. <laughs> okay? And the crowd around us, and the crowd of problems and circumstances and everything else, and Jesus stops to honor this woman's faith and tell, tells her. And, and again, in this moment, he's telling her, your faith, your faith has healed you. And he wants it to be a public knowledge because this woman has been an outcast of her society for, for all these years because of her bleeding disorder. So she's had to live outside of town because of this. 
So he draws attention to her so that her life can come back to normal, <laughs> a normalcy that she hasn't had in many years. But the man is waiting. My daughter's dying. I wish these people would get out of the way. I want him to come. I think that in the sense of we've prayed and God didn't hear our prayers quick enough. <laughs> He's delayed. How many have had delayed answers? <laughs> you know, we find ourselves desiring and praying and believing in abundance and all that other stuff and it's not happening. And Jesus is delayed. So here we are wanting him to come, get through the crowd, get, get on with this. And the guy's probably over here and the crowd's there and he's trying, you know, come on, let's go, get out of the way. He needs to come. And the crowd is crushing to almost to the point that they can't breathe. And while he was still speaking, while Jesus is still speaking to this woman, someone from the synagogue official's house comes and says to, to Jairus, he says, your daughter is dead. Do not inconvenience the teacher any further. And this is whenever we kind of set back and say, oh my, what I wanted didn't happen. But Jesus, verse 50, Jesus, hearing this, answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and trust. And the Amplified says, Trust in me and have faith in my ability to do this, and she will be made well. So whenever we are called to trust is whenever we feel that the answer to our prayer and what we wanted, the answer is, it's not going to happen. That's the answer from the friends and from the community and coming to him and telling him, your daughter is dead. There's no way this can take place. There's no way this can happen. And Jesus says, trust. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid any longer. <laughs> I, I think of this as, the man standing there wanting the crowd to get out of the way so Jesus can get to his daughter. He's afraid that Jesus isn't going to get there in time. We're afraid that Jesus isn't going to answer our prayer, that God's answer and God, God's provision is not going to get here in time. And what happens is we receive word that it's not going to happen. It's gone. It's over. Can't happen now. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus says to us the same thing he says that, that he, he says to us what he said to the man, do not be afraid any longer because what you thought was in your hands to make happen is no longer in your hands to make happen. It's now in my hands. And it goes, I think it goes back to what the prodigal, what the father says to the elder son, all that is mine is yours. I'm always with you. So, when they got to the house, Jesus makes it to the house, and he tells the people, you know, she's not dead. They laugh at Christ. You know, it's not fun, to, it's not any good to laugh at God. <laughs> you don't laugh at God, you know. 
And Jesus, and in other versions, he puts them all out of the house. And in this one, he doesn't put them out of the house. You know what? It's all right to ask people to leave. <laughs> it's all right to ask people to leave. Because we have something greater than what you can understand going on here. So I know you don't think it can happen, but you, you need to just step aside because I believe God wants to do something here. Now, Jesus is the one to, who's directing this. And the, the, the father of the child, you know, he's just trying to deal with the reality that his daughter has died, but that Jesus says, don't, don't worry about this. Okay, don't worry about this. But Jesus took hold of her hand and spoke, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he ordered that she be given something to eat. <laughs> and, and I think that this is the challenge. All things, always and all. <laughs> he is always with us. All things. You see, all that is mine is yours. So that Whenever we are facing death, Jesus says to us, all that is mine is yours. I am life and I am eternal life. All that is mine is yours. Whenever we need salvation, all that is mine is I am the Savior. I wash away your sins. That whenever we need and we have a need in our life that for, for restoration, for healing, for salvation, you know, whenever we, like, Matei in the Congo. I wonder sometimes if the missionary that my mom and dad were, very, were friends with, I wonder if that missionary ministered to this boy in, in, in this community that gave him the desire as, you know, the, the gardeners from the Indiana church. And, you know, I wonder if that had an impor, impor, impact on this young boy's life to end up making such a, a prayer that he ends up being an NBA star that goes back and, and, and uh, uh, opens a $29 million hospital. I wonder if those, you know, see the little connections that go on. And, and there was a man who died in, in hospice that his mother fled from the, from the Germans in, the, in Italy and went across to, she went a rowboat, you know, went hundreds of miles in a rowboat to find to be rescued only to find out she had to flee again for her life and went to south and, and went to North Africa and fled from North Africa to the Congo and from the Congo to the United States. It was there in the Congo that she received medical help to survive their journey. And I wonder if that person in Indiana that was good friends with my mom and dad were the ones that instilled that in that family and in Mateo and we see in our own lives there are many things that would tell us but we don't know how all the contacts that will come and so we look at this and interruptions will come <laughs> you know interruptions will come and it'll tell us there's no need now for you to continue because nothing can happen it's over. See? Nothing is over until God says it's over. And when people come and say, your prayers can't be answered, it's not over. Jesus says, 
don't worry about it. Trust what I'm about to trust me in this. And it's easy for people to say, well, she's dead. She's not, nothing, no good for Jesus to come now. And Jesus says, don't worry about being dead. Just trust me. I'll go with you to your house. And then he takes those who are <laughs> laughing at him, puts them aside and goes in and touches the daughter and says, arise. And she stands up. <laughs> and in our life, I think we need to keep those things in mind. All Jesus, you know, the Father is saying, this is Jesus telling us about God the Father and God the Father is explaining to the elder brother, all that is mine is yours. And for the younger brother who ran off and wasted everything but comes back to the father, what, is, what does that father do? He gives him a ring. The ring means all that is mine is yours. <laughs> so no matter who we are, whether they've run from God or whether we've just been stagnant and frustrated we need to come back to the savior to the father and recognize all that is mine is yours all that is mine is yours now it doesn't mean god is going to you know bestow on all of us a billion bucks but he is going to bestow upon us a spirit that says nothing is impossible with him nothing is impossible with god so how big is your prayer? <laughs> is it big enough? Is your prayer big enough for God to speak to your heart and say that when I bless you, now I want you to bless others. If I bless you with this, double that, God, so I can use it to bless, not only do this for my life, but let me do it for somebody else. So doubling or tripling or quadrupling Multiplying, in multiplying, he multiplies. How big do we have to pray? How big should our prayers be? And how great should our expectations be? And we never let the crowd of doubts and so on keep us from the one who's going to answer our prayer. It's all stand. <laughs> all that is mine is yours. <laughs> That's God, Jesus is using this to help us understand that. All that is mine is yours. Jesus, we thank you that you have heard our prayers, and God, you know our hearts, and you know the need of our lives, and Lord, you stir us in our spirit, and you stir us, Lord, that there is life in our words, there is life in your spirit, there is life, O oh Lord, in what we speak and what we say and what we do. So let the word of life live in our hearts and minds, let it live in our, our voice and our actions and our hands and our feet. Lord, let it live through us that we may be that person, we may be that man and woman of God that will speak your word and speak your truth and see how that you will bless and how that you will restore and how that you will bring life and how you will bring peace, how you will bring salvation, how you will bring provision. To everything and everything we touch and everything that we are part of, God, you will bring that life to fruition. We pray in Jesus' name. All that is mine is yours. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So give it away. <laughs> Bless so that I might be a blessing.